Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Yuha UP podcast. In this podcast, we talk about all things fitness, relate everything back to mobility, and sometimes I go off topic. But without further ado, let's start. There you go. Uh, so it is, what, the morning of Saturday, January 4th, 2020. Um, before I actually get into the topic I had today, um, this is a question for the people who are listening. Um, I host this podcast on a website called Anchor, and I know I don't have very many viewers, I was honestly expecting to see that I don't have any viewers, um, because I'm getting, like, between, like, three and ten, yeah, yeah, I'm getting between, like, three and five, no, I'm getting between, like, zero to five views per podcast, but then I looked at the geographic location of my listeners, and it says that I have someone listening from Ireland and someone listening from the States. So if that's you, and if you're listening from Ireland, or if you're listening from the States, like, who are you? Like, can you, like, reach out to me and, like, actually comment and tell me how you found this podcast? Like, search my name on whatever social media you prefer, at U-H-A-J-U-P-P-I, whether or not you're preferred social media is on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram or Snapchat Uh, like I'm on a bunch of them Uh, like reach out and actually tell me how you found it I'm really curious to see who this person from Ireland is really curious and from the States as well So, either way, without further ado, um, the topic that I want to discuss today uh, is can mobility training help overcome a fear of getting hurt again? And I I think that we can all relate to this on some level. Like, we do some activity, some sport, something unexpected happens, and we get hurt. Um, Personally, I've been pretty lucky so far to not have any serious injuries, like, I've never had to have surgery to repair anything, I've, uh, I've never had anything more serious than, like, a sprain, but that doesn't mean that I haven't at least done some damage to my body here or there, like, for example, um, a little over a year ago, I sprained my ankle playing basketball, Um, well, it was just at, like, a local community center playing with some random people and so this happened when one of my teammates shot the ball and it missed so I went up for a rebound and while I was falling I I landed on their foot causing my ankle to roll over 
inversion spring. Uh, actually, the best part about that was that I was playing with high school kids, and keep in mind that I was the only quote-unquote adult adult in the group, so, like, of course the old man goes down. God, it's just... That's terrible. Um, but... What I did after the ankle sprain, it wasn't even the best. Like, if I'm being honest with you, like, I wouldn't even recommend to others what I did because the information that I know, I know better. And in the past, I've done better. But this time, what I did after my ankle sprain was I basically did nothing. I follow that typical rice protocol rest, ice, compression, elevate, and then sometimes I change it up to f follow an acronym I learned from a professor in college, NICER, which is like non-inflammatory drugs, ice, compression, elevation, and rest. Uh, and so I just did that. I, like I didn't do any exercises to regain any lost ranges of motion. Um, so after about three or four days, my ankle, it was feeling better to return back to like regular day life, but it definitely wasn't feeling good enough back to return. It definitely wasn't feeling good enough to return back to sport. So then if I did, it just would have been too much for me because like I, I, at the time I wouldn't have been able to have handled like the, the jumping, the stopping, the change in direction. Posted a photo. Oh my lord. Sorry, hold on. Gary Vee just posted a photo. I'm gonna do one quick 37 seconds ago. 90 sec club. Hey, Gary Vee. Sorry, I just wanted to post uh, something real quick to Gary Vee. Sorry, so unprofessional. No, uh, the Gary V has this thing where, like, if you comment in the first ninety seconds of his post, then sometimes he gives away things for free. Anyways, so um, the stupid thing that I did was three weeks after spraining my ankle, uh, like I still wasn't feeling a hundred percent. I had spent time staying off it, but. I hadn't really used any, like, focused effort to regain any lost strength that my ankle had. Did I choose to start playing basketball again in spite of this? Sadly. This was also when the Toronto Raptors were in the middle of their 2018-2019 regular season, so, like, I just had to practice some Kawhi Leonard shots. Um, for the record, that was well before the the shot ever happened, but... Anyways, I did choose to play again, which was a, was a very stupid mistake. Not only did I not regain the lost strength in my ankle, but I chose to play another pickup game of all things that would require my ankle to do a lot. It would be different if I was just like practicing free throws, maybe practicing like a set jump shot. But no. Silly me practiced in an actual pickup game. How do I justify it? Because it seemed fun, and I told myself that, like, I wouldn't 
jump for a rebound, and I wouldn't play defense too intensely. I mean, I obviously wasn't going to listen to that. In the heat of the moment, we always tell ourselves some stupid things to convince ourselves to do these things. Anyways, you can probably guess that I sprained my ankle a second time doing the same thing jumping up for a rebound even though I said that I wouldn't and landing on someone's foot again yeah that was fun because that oddly enough that time it didn't actually hurt as much as the first but like if it just happened a few weeks prior so if there's there's a very unique type of regret that someone feels when they know what's better and they actively choose the wrong decision anyways. I guess I could have just said I YOLO'd it. But anyway, sorry, so I'll get back to the direct topic. Uh, so could mobility exercises have helped me in this case? Yes, most likely. Um, the way that we define mobility in the functional range systems in most simple terms is the amount of usable or active range of motion that somebody has, that a particular articulation has. So I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. Um, when we're talking about like what it takes to be injured versus what should be taken if you want to prevent injury. So if the load going into a tissue exceeds the capacity for that tissue to handle load, that tissue will yield. There's most likely, most likely going to be injury. If the load going into a tissue is less than the capacity, i.e. if it is easier, then you have rehabilitation. Ideally, you want to get to a place where the capacity of that tissue exceeds the load that goes into it. That would ideally be injury prevention. Um, although technically we can't actually prevent injury, we can just mitigate it because accidents do happen. So if we look at like me spraining my ankle as a time, sorry, as an event in time, there was a load placed on my ankle that exceeded its capacity to handle it. There are certainly exercises that I could have done that would have increased my ankle's capacity to handle more load. For example, I could have used a pales rails protocol in a movement like ankle inversion, eversion, and eventually a dorsiflexion. Uh, can I bring my ankle to the point where I'm free of getting injured ever? Like, is there some like final status where it says you have achieved perfect joint health? No, uh, but one way to look at your joints in a non-fitness related way is like looking at it as a bank account. The healthier, the more work that you do, the more proper work, for example, if you're doing proper mobility exercises, the more focused effort that you're spending into a joint, the more money you're depositing into that joint as, as like a form of insurance. And every time that you sustain an injury, you are withdrawing money from that account. So if you spend months and months rehabbing something, you've slowly put in a dollar here, a dollar here, a dollar here, a dollar here. It's accumulating. Then every time you get injured, depending on the severity, will change how much money you take out. So what happens when you sustain an injury? 
Yeah, it's so it just depends on how much money you have as a buffer zone, and does that injury take you to zero, or does it take you from like two hundred to fifty? Obviously, if you have two hundred, you don't want to go down to fifty. But if you have a buffer of two hundred, and then you go down to fifty, you'll at least not get affected as much. You know what I mean? So, if that money comparison doesn't make sense, uh, I'll explain it with a little bit more technique. Uh, so, mobility exercise. So, since the main question was. Can it overcome the fear of getting hurt again? Technically, mobility exercises aren't going to measure your fear in a movement. Fear hopefully will dissipate as you become more aware of the improvement that your body or joint is making. Um, So in my case, sprained my ankle, I could have benefited from doing a pales rails protocol uh, yeah i could have benefited from doing that and 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 so i didn't say that before uh pales rails it's a protocol it focuses on isometric contractions so like held contractions to to teach your nervous system to control larger ranges of motion and that's important to learn larger ranges of motion because if you just got injured as a defense mechanism your body make sure that you cannot express large amounts of range of motion because the current state that it's in. And also, uh, Pales Rails also helps to prepare our body to move into newly acquired ranges of motion. Um, and it also makes changes to, uh, like, not only at like the muscular level, but at the cellular level. Um, once again, this stuff is super important because when you get injured, not only do you lose range of motion, but there's a lot of swelling, inflammation, and uh, being that it's an isometric contraction, uh, isometric contraction do not promote more inflammation. So it's also like a safer exercise to do in the event of an injury. So anyways, but one example of how Pales Rails makes changes to the cellular level is uh, like it... It makes our microtubules and a bunch of other things like our cytoskeleton. Uh, it makes it more resilient, and microtubules at least are important for giving shape to the cell itself. Uh, so improvements that are made to our joint, it's not just about a muscle here. It's thinking more big picture because it's being affected at the cellular level. And at like the more gross level, um, so if you have confidence in the prescription you're following, and if you trust the person giving you the information, then it becomes very simple. You should feel comfort in knowing if you can handle X amount of force. You're only placing less than X into that area, which will allow you adequate time for that tissue to heal. For example, if it can handle 100 units of force, 100 units of force and you're consistently giving it 30 to 50 to 60 units of force, 
you can't possibly injure yourself that way. So anyways, thank you for listening um, to episode, what episode did I say this was? Episode 12 of the Yuha UP podcast. Um, once again, uh, if you do, if you do enjoy this content, please like, rate, review, find a way to comment, um, find me on any social media at Yuha UP, J-U-H-A-J-U-P-P-I, and let me know where you're from, because I'd really like to talk to you a little bit. So, anyways, that's going to do it for me. Hope you enjoyed it, and I will talk to you later. Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of the Yuha UP podcast. My name is Yuha, no, that is not a stage name, and in this podcast, we talk about all things fitness related back to mobility, and occasionally I go off topic. Without further ado, let's start. Uh, no intro music today, that doesn't really matter. Um... This is also going to be another short one, um, but you know, the short ones are probably one of the better ones because then I have to be much more intentional. I have to be, uh, much more impactful with my time, uh, have to just provide value in a shorter window. And a lot of people really like that. A lot of people I believe really like bite sized information. So today I'm going to tell you five things to ask yourself, five things to consider if a workout program will work for you. So we're in January, you're looking at a lot of programs, maybe you've started an exercise regimen, maybe you're continuing on what you were doing in the past, you you know, maybe you were doing powerlifting and now you're continuing it, maybe you're starting a new regimen, you're doing CrossFit, you're now trying yoga for the first time, whatever it is, you're going to the gym a couple days a week to play something, you know, whatever it is, there are definitely some things to consider if that is going to work for you, because what will work for one person may not work for another person, um, and for one, uh, this is also geared towards for people who are looking at programs, ones that are like, ones that have already been created, and if you're looking at multiple programs and you're not sure which one is right for you and which one could even work, because everybody tends to say that their workout is the best, they like to say that their workout is optimal and uh, it does all of these things, but you may be wondering if that's just overwhelming because if everybody says it's great then who do you choose so number one i would say to think about is does the program base its progressions on progressive overload so if you look at it if you're about to join like an eight-week course is it built into it to where week seven and eight is progressively harder than week five and six and week five and six are progressively harder than four and three week four and three are progressively harder than two and one um there there are other things to consider in that but if things are not getting harder for yourself if think if you're not continuing to progressively challenge your tissue to challenge your body to challenge your joint to challenge yourself in general then you're not going to improve if you do 30 push-ups a day for 30 days you may find it pretty challenging in the first couple days but your body's eventually going to adapt um 
that may be a little bit different if you're going to do one of those extreme challenges like 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, or there was a there was a video where someone did 500 push-ups per day. That's a little bit crazy because they're basically putting themselves in a position where they're making themselves very sore. They're basically trying to bring themselves from 0% all the way up to 120% really quick. And then their body is going to take some time to recover, maybe get back to 80%. And they're going to push it again to 120. Um, And not everybody's body can handle being pushed to the limit like that. Uh, It's very difficult. In my opinion, those kind of extreme things are trivial. They're fun to try, but they're definitely not sustainable. Just like those... You know, those type of workouts are like diets. They're, they're like the workout world's version of diets because typically people that, that go on a diet, it is temporary. They say, hey, I'm going on this diet for 30 days. I'm doing this for 30 days. And uh, when you hear about people talking about what diet they're on, the average person is not going to maintain that. Um, the thing that people do maintain are habits our lifestyle habits like hey i'm going to not be on a diet however i'm going to avoid alcohol however i'm going to avoid red meat um there there are there are more fundamental things that are sound if you're trying to build long-term habits and the same thing goes with exercise sorry just want to have a sip of water. Wow, I tried to drink like so much water there. A bit of water almost went on my nose. Feels like I'm in a pool. So so that's something to consider if that program has progressive overload. And is this program, is there too much progressive overload? Is it going to injure yourself? And uh, anytime we talk about injury, anytime we talk about uh, programs being efficient for you, you know, comparing progression versus rehab versus prevention uh i think it's important to always revisit this very simple injury equation that is uh that is talked about in the functional range systems uh when so when the load going into a tissue exceeds that tissue's capacity that tissue will yield that tissue will get injured so the short version is if load is greater than capacity there's injury right if if your ankle has the ability to handle 100 units of force and you roll your ankle over a curb chances are you are placing more than the 100 units of force in a hypothetical measure that it's able to handle therefore you get injured um if the load is less than the capacity then you have rehab you know if the load going into a tissue if you're doing something that you know is easier than you can handle that is the definition of rehab people go into rehab because their body is injured they say hey i can't do my regular workload and you go to a rehab specialist and they tell you if you can only work between 10 to 30 percent intensity these are the exercises you can do but don't do something else because it might bring you to 40 percent intensity or something greater than your load has capacity for so so if you're trying to do a rehab program then it's worth it to look at hey is this actually easier than my body can handle or 
can my body actually handle this right now? And the ideal, the ideal spot that we want our joints and our tissues to be in is when capacity is greater than load. So if the capacity that our tissue can handle exceeds the load being placed into that tissue, then we have prevention, right? If your if the capacity of your ankle once again is three hundred units of force, and you accidentally roll your ankle and rolling your ankle that time it caused you know 250 units of force into that tissue well you're going to be pretty close you may like bruise yourself it may be sore for a couple days but if it's less than the capacity then it can at least handle it and really um, ultimately we can't 100% prevent injury because accidents do happen life does happen but what that does for us the greater the the capacity for a tissue the greater the capacity that our tissues can handle the the better that our tissues will also become at mitigating injury and that's the difference between getting injured and returning back to sport in six weeks versus returning back in half of that time the better of a foundation that your body has the quicker it can bounce back to it and children are definitely a prime example of that a child may fall down but they bounce back up a child may may sustain some shoulder injury they may i don't know sprain their shoulder or they may do something will dislocate their shoulder uh but children are surprisingly resilient they they really do bounce back if you're like tobogganing and 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 you know the child accidentally falls down slips on some ice they generally bounce back up and just kind of laugh it off depending on the instance that's the first thing number two is does so it's worth asking a program does it assume movement movement prerequisites for example if you are going to be doing a program that is largely based on olympic lifts so you'll be doing a lot of snatch a lot of cleans a lot of jerks clean and jerks a bunch of overhead press you know overhead squats just a bunch of different things uh does this program assume that you already have the prerequisite movement to be able to do that? Or is it built into the program that it's teaching beginners how to do snatches if they don't have the ability to do it? Like, is this for an intermediate who already has the movement capacity? Or are they gearing it towards someone where they're taking you from A to Z? Like, that's totally worth th thinking about. Um, for example, that happens in every single sport. If you play basketball, it is assumed that you require a certain amount of movement capacity to perform, to run up and down, to jump up and down, to reach your shoulders up to shoot it, to reach your arm, arms over your head to block it, to pivot side to side like there are things that you need to have in order to perform in basketball and if you don't have them and you play basketball then you're walking a fine line of injuring yourself and that happens all the time in any sport people go into a sport with some tightness with some nagging injury with 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 confidence in their skill but not confidence in their joints and if you're doing something that is kind of ignoring the joint side it's well it, if you're going to do something that ignores the joint part of it 
So if you're going to sign up for a class that does 100% powerlifting, great. That's great that you want to do powerlifting. But it's worth checking out on the side on top of that or before you sign up for powerlifting, assessing each joint and seeing which joint do you have to improve in order to get your prerequisites to a level where it's even appropriate for you to do that because there are a lot of people that will put themselves in positions to do overhead movements but their shoulder won't even be able to handle that there are a lot of people that put themselves in positions to do barbell back squats but their shoulder can't even externally rotate in enough safe position or they're doing front squat but they're and they're like holding the barbell with their wrist kind of being like actively pulled past 90 degrees and they don't have that wrist mobility their ankles may be fine their knees may be fine their wrist sorry their ankle knee and their hip may be fine but if you have poor wrist mobility and you're just forcing yourself into that position while you're going to be walking a fine line of just hurting yourself your legs may get stronger but then you're going to get sidelined from that sport unintentionally or intentionally if you're just belligerently ignoring it you're going to be sidelined from the sport from that thing that you want to be doing because you injured yourself because you injured your joint so great now you had a few weeks you had some time spent enjoying the activity but now you're going to be back at square one or what might feel like back at square negative because you have to work to get yourself back in a position to even go into that sport or activity again Whew. oh that was good i got kind of passionate there Okay, so number three is, is there planned accountability? There are so many plans, there are so many programs, so many coaches out there that at the end of the day, one of the most important things that people love, regardless if we're talking about mobility, flexibility, yoga, whatever exercise you want to talk about, accountability is a huge thing. Accountability is so huge. So is there a part of your program where there's maybe a, a group on social media where you all check in after every workout? Workout? Are you going to live classes where then you can physically say, hey, I need to go to this class on Tuesday because I know that the group is going to be there. And if I'm not there, people are going to know that I'm skipping. Maybe you're doing things online and there's some Skype sessions that you do your own workouts on your own, but then once a week or once every pre-agreed upon time you're maybe having a session or some some communication over email just to hold yourself accountable hey you said you were going to do this how did it go if you're going to do a plan that assumes no accountability so if you're going if you're going to do a plan that assumes no accountability find a way to add accountability into that so if you're going to say for example just do a random workout online but you're not sure if you can stay accountable simple solution do it with a friend find other people to do it post on social media post just like tell your circle tell some family and friends hey i'm doing this and i'm gonna lose 30 pounds in two months and this is gonna be great for me like just do something to where people can actually check up on you because if you're going to do a program on your own uh it becomes pretty difficult unless you have self-discipline uh, i'm not saying it's impossible but you kind of like stack the deck against you and that's actually oh i don't have the stat in front of me here but just being in circles of personal training uh that's one of the number one things that i've heard uh 
that the number one things that clients love about personal training is the accountability. It's not even like the exercises per se. It's that someone is there counting everything for them, telling them what to do, telling them when they need to rest. It's the accountability. It's saying like, hey, I messed up. So this person is going to help me with that. So please, I encourage you to do a plan or to do some exercise regime that has accountability. And if it doesn't, find a way to incorporate accountability into it because that's totally going to improve your chances of actually seeing success in the plan. Number four is, does it have a deload period? Because it's common for people to fall behind a few weeks into the program. If you're doing a six, if you're doing a 12-week program, sometimes a few weeks into that, something is going to happen. There's going to be a wedding. There's going to be a sickness. There's going to be something in the family. Some, maybe just slight muscle soreness. Something is going to happen, and you're going to need to take a little bit of time off, or you'll maybe have to catch up on a couple of workouts that you may have missed. So a deload period not only gives your body time to repair from the stresses that you've been putting on it lately, but it also allows you to kind of mentally refresh and stay committed with the opportunity that you have in front of you. Because ultimately, you're starting this program because you want to go from point A to point Z. But if somewhere in the middle of that, if during F, you need to take a break, but they don't account for you, they don't let you take a break, and they go from G to K and you're just trying to catch up on a couple of the earlier parts and they're still moving on, that's going to be tough because then not only can you not catch up, but you're going to be forced with asking yourself, do I catch up with the workouts I missed or do I skip those and go to the more advanced ones? And that is a, that is a, depending on the program, that can be a really fine line to toe. Because sometimes, because very often, week one and week four, they build upon themselves. So, like, you know, it's like, would you really read a book, read all 23 chapters, but be okay with going chapter one, two, five, six, seven, eight, 11, 13, 17, 19, 20, 21? Like, you wouldn't do that because you assume that there's going to be some information that you're going to miss from those previous chapters. And the same thing is going to happen if you don't choose something that allows you to have some deload period because ultimately we're not all elite athletes i mean i definitely know i'm not an elite athlete we're not elite athletes over here and we need to account for the fact that it's okay to just take a week off just do something light just to kind of give our body time and our mind time to refresh Oh, and so the last one that I want to talk about is, is it fun? Is the program that you're doing fun or will it help you have fun? Because how to tell if a workout program is going to work for you, that's one of the most important things. That is so important. As a, as a coach, it is so imperative for me to consider scientific principles and to blend those principles in with the art of what I believe that client will actually stay committed on because that's one of the most important things. I could write you the best workout on paper that if you do A, B, C, D, and E, this is going to give you your result, but some people just want to at least have fun. And maybe that's not the most idealistic thing from a scientific perspective, but just from a consistency perspective, you really just need to do what would be fun. 
Like, for example, with me, there was a long time where I, I did not really think the thought of uh, stretching was very fun for me, so I didn't stretch. It wasn't until I found the world of kin stretch and found the world of combining stretching with strengthening protocols and kind of turning this stretching session into strength training, but for your joints. So that was a way to get me personally interested in staying committed into doing that more into the long term. And I've worked with uh, a coach before. I've, I've, I've worked with him on and off now over the past year. And that's what it is. It's just, it's just all mobility. It's all strength training for your joints. And I'm, uh, and I'm in the midst, just in the beginning of, uh, of starting a new kin stretch program and I'm really excited to see how that goes for me because I've done things similar to kin stretch but not kin stretch exactly so does it have like is is what you're doing fun because that's going to keep you accountable or if it's not particularly fun does it help you have fun like for example physio exercises that's like the easiest thing for people to conceptualize like even though you may not love the thought of doing physio exercises single leg stand-ups or whatever, like sideline clamshells, uh, glute bridges, uh, like a lot of things that are kind of more like isolation type exercises. Maybe some people really don't like that, but it helps you return back to your sport, but it helps you return back to your activity that you're doing. Wow. Okay. I'm actually gonna need to decompress. I'm gonna have to drink some water after this. Wow, that was a really great. Oh, that was a really great podcast. Um, out of the fourteen now that I've done, the ones that feel better is when I have just a few key words on a screen and I just rant. Um, there have been a couple of podcasts that I've just read a script and I can I can feel it. I can feel like I'm reading a script. I'm trying to like make it sound authentic, but I wasn't. But but right now I just have like five or six different sentences uh and it's just easier to riff on so anyways that's going to do it for me thank you so much for listening to episode 14 of the uha up podcast you can listen to this again in any streaming device that you want we're on you know the apple stuff spotify uh check the link in the description if you want to follow me on other forms of social media my tag is usually at uha up j-u-h-a-j-u-p-p-i and you can find me on on almost any social media, TikTok, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, on the podcast ones. Uh, I probably missed a couple. I'm on YouTube. Uh, so just check out the description. And if you liked it, please give this podcast a positive review, read, rate, review. Uh, and without further ado, I will talk to you guys in the next episode.